Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Morning. Morning, those of you that are watching online. Uh, Before we dive into part three of our I Declare War series, uh, I wanted to give you a couple quick things that are happening today. One is tonight we have our next, it's our second interest party for our CityWalk Edgewater Church that's going to be starting in February. And so if you know somebody that lives in Yuba County uh, and you'd say, man, I think this would be a really good, maybe good church for them to get to, or maybe they'd at least want to come and hear about it, I want to encourage you to come. It's at the brick tonight. It lasts about 45 minutes, and it's just a good opportunity to hear about what's going to be happening in Edgewater and uh, it's one of those things that when we did these at the very beginning of our church, it was where we met some of like the foundational people uh, that helped start City Walk was at these interest parties. And so invite somebody. If you're interested yourself, you can come. Uh, it's going to be a good time at the break. And we're going to have root beer floats. So, I mean, come on, let's do it. Uh, the second thing is, if you're new to City Walk or you're thinking, man, I am, am wanting to get connected, I've been coming for a while, kind of what's that first step for me? Right after service, we have a thing called Intro to City Walk, and that's about a 45-minute little short time over in the fellowship hall. We'll have some food, and it's an opportunity for you to hear more about our church, ask questions, learn how you can get connected, so that'll start 45 minutes after the service uh, over in the fellowship hall. And so, man, come join us. Uh, it'll, it'll be a great time to, to meet some folks, but also to find out how you can best get connected. And so uh, come, come join us over there uh, for about 15 minutes after the service. So, so I hope, uh, and I was talking to somebody this morning, how many of y'all stayed up way too late last night and watched a football game? Some of you are shaking your head. You're like, I know, I shouldn't have. I did. I, I stayed up way too late. Uh, and if you were a Colorado fan, you, were, you ended up pretty happy. Uh, if you were a Colorado State fan, you, you probably didn't end up too happy. But if you're a 49er fan, you had a, you had a good week last week. And Or if you're a Dallas fan, if you're a Jets fan, you didn't have a good week last week because your hero got hurt. At our home, I had a good week because the Bucks won. You're like, man, is that really... <laughs> Like, does Jesus make you happy, Chris? Because, I mean, you like football a lot. Yes, he does. And I think we're going to play football in heaven and all wear Buccaneer uniforms in heaven. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but but I, we had a good week last week. It was one of those weeks where uh, we had some opportunities for growth in our family, and mainly with me. Uh, it was one of those weeks where my wife, she, she literally said to me, uh, kind of halfway throughout the week when she found out that I was going to be preaching about anger this week, she said in the sweetest voice that she could have said it in, wow, you had some really good opportunities this week to apply what you're going to be talking about. And I was like, yeah, you're right, I did. Uh, This was one of those weeks that, you know, those weeks where you kind of start the week frustrated and tired, like you don't even have to get into the week. 
you just kind of start it in that place because last end of last week had a canceled flight, lost luggage, sleeping on an airport you know floor. So I kind of went into the week a little bit frustrated, and then on Tuesday morning, I woke up and I went into our our bathroom. And it was over, overflowing. So that's a fun way to wake up, have your quiet time with Jesus, plunge your toilet. It's a great way to start your day. And here's the thing. I was doing the plunger thing, and it wasn't working. So I, I went and ended up buying one of those snakes. And like, all right, this is going to be the t- you know, thing that works. And so I start working on that. And I can't even get the snake like a foot in, down into it because there's something stuck. So a few hundred dollars later... In a few hours with a plumber, we finally had the toilet working. And so that, that was on Tuesday morning. And then on Tuesday night, we go to bed and we're just, you know, doing our thing, going, going to bed, sleeping. It's the middle of the night, 2.30 in the morning, our doorbell rings. And, and you know, when you wake up kind of middle of the night, you're like, you're just foggy. You have, you're not really sure where you're at, what's going on. And, and so our dogs are barking. I, I walk out into the front room and Lori's out there and she says, I think someone's at our door. I'm like, no one's at, this is 2.30, no one's at our door. And then I hear somebody. And so we look out and there's this very large man in a dress on my front porch and again, I'm foggy, so this is really throwing me way off. And I'm like, Lori, do not open the door. Like, what is going on? And then I, I'm thinking, like, what are we going to, I mean, what are we about to do here? This is, this is like a bad movie about to happen. And, and then all of a sudden, I, get, I look through again. I see there's a dude there, and I hear my own voicemail. And I'm like, Whoa. and I'm again, foggy, so I'm really mixed up right now. Hi, this is Chris Fincham. I'm not available right now. I'm like, what is going on? I don't have my phone. And I realize, oh, this person is calling me. I'm, it's on speakerphone and, and, and on my front porch. So I was like, okay, I'm not as afraid. Obviously, this person knows me. And, and uh, Mr. Fincham, uh, I have your luggage from United Airlines uh, delivery. What? So I open the door, go out, sign the paper, and go back in, and I'm not even sure that all really happened. I was so foggy. But it was one of those, and maybe you've had days like that, where it was like fertile ground for you to have unhealthy anger. You've had some days in your life, you're like, yeah, I had a day last week where it was just one of those days where a couple things happened, and, and it was, and hopefully you didn't go crazy, but you, there was like fertile ground for you to have some really unhealthy anger and a really bad attitude. That was kind of my Tuesday. You, you may be here or watching online and you'd say, Chris, it, it, for me, it, it wasn't really a bad day. It was like a bad season. It was a, a painful childhood. It was uh, some deep hurt that someone else caused me. It wasn't just a bad day that gave me fertile ground for, for being angry and really in an unhealthy way. Man, I've had some tough things go on in my life, and that has, man, for whatever reason, that has just provided an opportunity for me to have some anger that honestly I know is not healthy. And in many cases, and you know this, just like we talked about over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about some, some destructive and even sinful behaviors like pornography and people pleasing over the last couple weeks. Anger kind of fits in the same area. And here's what I mean. 
just like those things, instead of really getting victory, a lot of people, and, and say, let's say a lot of people, us, we try to manage some of those behaviors. We try to manage our desire to please people. We, we try to manage a, a, an addiction to pornography. We, we, we try to, instead of gaining victory in this area of, of unhealthy, sinful anger, we find ourselves kind of trying to manage that. And, and maybe it's because we don't even feel like we'll ever really get victory. It's almost like a, a hopeless cause. And so just like that, we're going to take some time today and we're going to talk about this area of anger, this area of not just anger, but unhealthy, sinful anger that we're so tempted to just manage or keep at bay. But in few cases, do we actually go to war with it, with the idea that we can have victory, that there's hope. And whether you're a follower of Jesus, or whether you're a person of faith at all, maybe you're investigating faith, maybe you've actually been hurt by someone that called themselves a Jesus follower, and they're like the reason that you walk around with unhealthy anger, no matter where you are or who you are and kind of where you stand as it relates to faith, most of us deal with anger, at least we lean one way or another, and here's what I mean. When you struggle with anger, you probably handle it in one of two ways. You're either someone who is kind of a spewer, and Proverbs describes that person like this in Proverbs 29, 11, a fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise person holds it in check. And so maybe this is how you deal with anger. Maybe you know people like this. This is the type of person that you're kind of walking around on eggshells around. You're, you, no one wants to set them off because you know that, man, if, if you say the wrong thing, if you do the wrong thing, if they, there's a misunderstanding, like they could blow up at any time. And, and they're, you're not going to have to wonder how they feel because they're going to let everybody in the room know it. And, and maybe that's how you handle it. Like, yeah, when it's I'm un, in an unhealthy place, and when I have some sinful anger in me, my natural reaction when somebody makes me angry is just to blow up the top, and man, everybody in the room and on the block knows that you're having a bad day, because maybe that's how you deal with anger, or at least you know someone, and you're like, yeah, the guy at work, the boss, the this, the that, the uncle so-and-so, or you know, mom, dad, that's how they deal with anger. Maybe you grew up in a house where that's how your dad dealt with anger. Everybody walked around kind of on eggshells because, man, when dad was good, he was good. But, man, if he got angry, it got ugly really quick. And so kind of the spewers. But then you have the, the other group. This is where I would find myself. And you're kind of like more of a steward. And this is the person that, man, they're as angry as anybody else. But for them, it's, it's a quiet and vicious, kind of under the radar. Everybody still knows that they're bothered, but maybe they're too proud to blow up. And so you also walk around on eggshells around these people because you're not really sure how to totally please them. And these people, once in a blue moon, when, man, all the things go wrong at exactly the right time, they kind of lose it, and you finally, they do kind of blow up a little bit. But for most of their life and how they handle things, it's more of a 
simmer under the radar, but everybody still knows like they're bothered. And whether you find yourself kind of leaning towards the, yeah, I kind of stew on it, it simmers under the radar, or whether you find yourself in that place where it's like, nobody ever has to wonder if I'm mad because I let everybody know pretty quickly when I'm angry. No, No matter where you find yourself, the beautiful thing is there's a lot of hope in the scriptures as it relates to this area of anger and really unhealthy anger. And, and, and when I say hope, it's, it's not hope to, to manage it, but it's hope that will give victory over it. There's a guy in the Bible, if you grew up in church or whether you did or not, you've heard of him. His name's Paul. And, and Paul's a guy that he understood what it was like to be mistreated he understood what it was like to be hurt, to be betrayed. Uh, he, he understood what it was like to have really bad days and be in very inconvenient spots in his life. He, he understood all about that. And in a letter that he wrote to a, a group of people in the city of Ephesus, he, he writes and he talks very practically about this whole area of anger and how a Jesus follower is supposed to deal with it. And if you know anything about the book of Ephesians, where that Paul wrote, you know that kind of the first half of the book, Paul teaches some foundational truths. He reminds these people of kind of the foundational truths that their faith is built on. And then the second half of the letter, he he takes those foundational truths and he says, hey, let me show you how that relates to relationships and marriage and anger. And he gets really practical in the second half of his letter to these people in Ephesus. And so if you have your Bible, or you can look up at the screen, or you can also follow in the app, look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25. And it's in this section that Paul is getting really practical about areas of our life relationally that we all deal with, that we all struggle with. He says this in Ephesians 4, verse 25. He says, Therefore... Putting away lying, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor, because we are members of one another. So Paul, he's, he's talking to people that, from his perspective, are Jesus followers. And he's telling them, he kind of starts this section by saying, hey, hey, put away lying. Hey, be, be honest with each other. Have integrity, because you're actually part of the same body. And because you're part of the same body, it doesn't do any good for the arm to lie to the foot. Like, that's not helpful. And so, because you're part of the same body, put away lying. Put away falsehood. Put away a lack of integrity. It's not healthy for the body. But then he says this. He says, be angry and do not sin. So in the the Greek language, basically what he's doing is he's giving us two imperatives. He's saying, I want you to be angry, and I want you to not sin. Be angry, and do not sin. See, for Paul, he he was a man that he under... Like, there were times in his life where he was angry. And it's not unhealthy to be angry. In fact, Jesus was angry at times, and you and I should be too. And so Paul, what he's saying is saying, I want you to be angry, but I also want you to not sin in your anger. See, you and I, if you're a follower of Jesus, or whether you are or not, like 
if you're an image bearer of God, it should bother you deeply when someone that is powerful hurts someone that is weak. And you can see that all throughout society in different parts of society. Like, that's, you shouldn't be okay with that. that. There should be something inside of you that, that like, rubs the wrong way. It bothers you. It makes you angry. You're not okay with it. When you see sin kill relationships, when you see sin kill families, when you see sin destroy people's future, it should bother us. It should make us angry. We shouldn't be okay with it. It should be like, oh, that's okay. No, no, no. Angry is not always a bad thing. And so Paul says, hey, I want you to be angry, but I want you to not sin. There's an appropriate place for anger when you've been hurt, when you've been taken advantage of, when you've been lied to. Of course you're going to be angry, but there's also hope that you can be angry and not sin in your anger. And I know that's a hard thing. Like that's a, a line that's tough to stay on the right side of. Let's be honest. And I think obviously Paul knew this, and I'm sure there were times in his life, and if you look back into his even testimony, there were definitely times in his world where he crossed the line, where there was anger that probably moved into sin. And so Paul's saying, not as somebody that has it all together, but he's telling these people, I want you to be angry, but don't sin. Do not sin. And then he says this. And this is, the, you can go back to the last verse. Be angry and do not sin. And he says this. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. This is the verse that has kind of encouraged probably many people over the years to be laying in bed with their spouse and saying, okay, let's talk this out. Because you feel like, oh, did he really mean like before this? Because the sun's usually down by then. But, but oh, we got to get this taken care of. And that's basically what Paul's saying. He say, be angry and do not sin. He's saying, hey, your anger needs to be dealt with. Whether it's healthy anger, like I'm angry at the right things. Or it's unhealthy anger. It's sinful anger. It's bitterness. Paul says, hey, I want you to be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Do not allow anger to continue to simmer because it is on the fast track to something that isn't helpful usually. He goes on in verse 27. He says this. He says, and don't give the devil an opportunity. It's kind of interesting. He says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. And then, then, hey, by the way, don't give the devil, the liar, the slanderer, the deceiver, don't, don't give him an opportunity. And, and that word opportunity, it means man, don't give him a staging ground. Don't give him an office in your heart. Don't, don't give him a, a place where he can just be in your heart. When we have an intern, we have interns that come and serve at our church when we have a, another intern hopefully coming in January. And man, we love to have had some summer interns. It's, we love having interns be on the team. And, and when they come to our, when they kind of join the team, one of the things we do right at the beginning is we give them a, a place to work. So if you've ever been kind of behind this wall 
uh, you'll see that there's like this one big room we use, and there's several desks, and it's kind of where we all have our little offices. And there's a, a desk, in, like a table in the middle where we can all meet together. And, and so whenever we get an intern, we, we try to make sure they have a place. Even if they're sharing a desk with somebody else, hey, this is your spot. This is where you can set your stuff. Because we know this, that, that when they come and they're apart and they're in the room, we give them a place, we give them an office, like they have an opportunity to influence, they have an opportunity to be part of the team because they're closer, they're involved, they're right there. And here's what Paul's saying. He's saying, you know what? Don't provide the evil one a workstation in your life. When you and I don't deal with our anger in a healthy way, here's what we're doing. We're saying, hey, devil, got your workstation right here. Here's your computer right next to mine. I want you to set up right here in the middle of it all. And that's what we do when we don't deal with anger in, a, in, a, in the right way and in a way that God would, would be pleased with. We're literally giving the devil a workstation in our heart. And here's the thing with the devil. He's never satisfied with his own space. He always wants more space. He's going to be spreading his stuff all throughout the office if you give him a space. And what Paul's saying is, hey, when you don't deal with anger the right way, you're literally giving the devil a workstation in your heart so that he can influence, so that he can control, so that he can be a part of all that's going on. And, and, and as I said earlier, he's, he's not somebody that's satisfied with his area. He's going to spread his stuff out because he wants to get into other parts of the office. And here's the thing about the devil. He has, a, he has one goal. His goal is he wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy me. He wants to destroy our families. And he is very patient, but he is very focused. And so he will patiently take every foothold that you give him, and it'll help him move towards his goal. And what Paul's saying is, he says, you know what? Don't, some of you are voluntarily giving the evil one access to your heart, to your mind. You're literally setting up a space for him to have his way inside you, in your mind, in your thoughts. And he says, you shouldn't do that. It's obviously not helpful. And then what he does in the next few verses is he, he starts to give us a strategy. And he, and he uses some other areas of our life that we would all be familiar with, that we've probably all struggled with at different times in our life. And he begins to lay out a strategy using those areas that will apply to anger a few verses later. Look what he says in verse 25. He says, let the thief no longer steal. Like, well, that would be helpful. And, and then it says this, instead, he is to do honest work with his own hands so that he has something to share with anyone in need. So he says, hey, he says, let the thief, which we, I mean, Richard and I were talking about it this morning, some guy breaking into some vehicles at Plymouth Lake. Like, not a, not a happy day when you come outside and something's been broken into. Like, that's terrible. No one likes that. It's evil. You feel kind of violated. 
And so what Paul's saying, he's saying, hey, the, the thief obviously stops stealing. Like that's, that's 1A. That's what you need to do. But he says that's not enough. Just stopping stealing isn't enough. He says this. He says, I want you to stop stealing and I want you to start working and being generous. See, for it, it, Paul, as he comes against these different areas, these different behaviors that we struggle with, He's not one to just say, hey, stop doing this. He says, hey, stop doing this, but that's not enough. You need to start doing something else. So he says, stop stealing and instead start working and being generous. Then he says this. He goes on, he says, no, no foul language. So foul language, what is that? He said, basically, unwholesome. It refers to something that's rotten, like fruit, like rotten fruit. I brought with me, in case anybody's hungry, I can, you can have it afterwards. I just need it for an illustration right now. But in our house, maybe you're optimistic in your house like we are. We're very optimistic when we go grocery shopping about how healthy we're going to eat in the next like, week or two. So if you come to our house, we always have fruit. But it doesn't always get eaten. So we, if you were to come to our house right now, you'd, you'd come and you would uh, see our little fruit area. And, and you may even see a fly or two or a bug or two because there's some fruit that you won't, wouldn't, wouldn't want to eat. It's, it's rotten. I mean, it's not quite there. Maybe banana bread ready. But it isn't great. Uh, and again, we're super optimistic. Like we're optimistic that we're going to eat. The ice cream is gone for sure. The fruit is not always gone. But, but and, and you understand that, like we've all held a piece of like rotten fruit that's old and there's some bugs on it or man, if you've ever like thrown away some chicken early in the week before like the, the trash man's not going to come for another four or five days and then you go back to that trash can, it's, it's just nasty. And what Paul, he compares language that doesn't encourage, language that doesn't build up. He calls it foul language. He refers to it as, as what we would say like rotten fruit. He, he says, no foul language. I'll leave this up here for whoever is hungry later. Uh, no foul language, no rotten, unwholesome language should come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up, encouraging someone in need, so that it gives grace to those who hear. So in this case, Paul, he follows the exact same strategy. He says this, I want you to stop using foul language, and instead I want you to start using your words to encourage. So see his pattern? I want you to, to stop stealing, but that's not enough. I also want you to get a job and actually start being generous. Well, I want you to stop using foul language. I want you to stop using your words to pull people down. And I want you to start using your words to encourage. And, and, and then he says this. He says, and don't grieve or cause sorrow. God's Holy Spirit, you were sealed by him for the day of redemption. And so he's, he's talked about anger and then he talks about stealing and he talks about language and how we use our words and he starts to give us this pattern and, and then he says hey don't don't grieve the holy spirit don't cause sorrow 
tell the Holy Spirit of God that is in you. And when I don't use my words to encourage, and when I am a thief, and when I have unhealthy anger, I'm causing the Holy Spirit that's inside me, if I'm a follower of Jesus, sorrow, sadness. He says, don't do that. And then what he does is he comes back. And he kind of touches on the anger and the bitterness. He touches on that again. Look what he says. He says, let all bitterness. We know what that is. I mean, that's that kind of that smoldering like resentment that's deep down. Let all bitterness, anger, wrath. When he talks about wrath, he's talking about rage. He's talking about like that passion in the moment that's destructive. Shouting and slander. He says, let it, let it be removed from you along with all malice. See, he's, he's given us the pattern again. He's saying that the rage, the bitterness, the anger, the, the, the using your words to hurt people, that all that's like that comes out of that smoldering resentment inside of you. He says, Let, let's remove that. Let's, let's get that away. And, and, and here's, here's what you, you, you and I both know this. That is so much easier said than done. Because someone hurt you. Someone stole a childhood from you. Someone has made your life much more complicated because of their decisions or their words. Or bigger than that, they've hurt somebody close to you, which makes you even more angry if they did it to yourself. And so Paul says, all this, all this unhealthy bitterness, anger, wrath, malice, let's, let's remove it. And here's why. Because anger gives off the message, and really what the, the message of unhealthy anger is, is you owe me. It's a you owe me mindset. You hurt me, and you owe me the opportunity to hurt you too. You took this from me. You complicated my life because of this decision or that decision you, you did me wrong. You betrayed me. There's a debt-debtor relationship. You did me wrong. You owe me. And it's, it's why we have these unhealthy imaginary conversations with ourselves where we're literally like just walking down the street. We're at the grocery store. We're reading our Bible and something comes to our mind and we can go from zero to ten in a second. Because of something somebody said or did or a way they complicated our life or the way they didn't treat us how we thought we were supposed to be treated or how they hurt our kid. And, and we can go from zero to like a hundred quickly. Where, where we're, I mean, I've literally had times where I'm reading my Bible in the morning and I'm reading through it and something comes to my mind. And before I know it, I'm at the end of the chapter and I don't even know what I just read. Because I kept looking at the page, but my mind and my heart started to go south because of something that, that I was thinking about, and I started to get angry or frustrated with somebody or something. And, and what Paul's saying, he says, he, he understood so well how unresolved anger can quickly turn into bitterness, to slander, and it can ultimately like ravage relationships and hearts and people. 
And so Paul, he says, man, stop, remove it. But just like when he talked about stealing and language, he says, I want you to remove this. But then he says, I want you to start doing something else. And he says this in verse 32. And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another. So I want you to remove bitterness wrath, anger, slander, malice, all these things that are, they're all kind of related. I want you to remove those. And instead, I want you to start being kind and compassionate. And I want you to forgive one another. And forgiveness in this context is the word pardon. It's the you're guilty you, yes, you did hurt me, but I am canceling the debt. You're pardoned. You're forgiven. See, forgiveness is a decision to cancel the debt of what someone owes you. And eventually, and we all know this, eventually and not immediately, our emotions and our feelings will catch up with our decision to forgive. Usually on the front end when we're canceling the debt and we're saying, yes, you did hurt me, but I'm not going to allow that hurt to ruin the next two decades of my life. And so I'm going to cancel the debt. You no longer owe me. You're forgiven. That's a tough thing to do. And in the moment, it doesn't always even feel right. But it's like, I know this is the right thing to do, and so I'm going to cancel the debt. I'm going to forgive you, and eventually, I'm going to trust God that my emotions and my feelings will catch up, will catch up with my decision. And maybe you push back a little bit. You're like, they don't deserve it. Deserve is a really important word in the Bible what people really deserve, what we really deserve. And in, in this context, if you feel that way, you probably feel like a lot of people. Like they hurt me. They betrayed me. They hurt my kid. They don't deserve to be pardoned. They don't deserve to be the debt canceled. I agree. But God thinks you deserve it. God thinks you deserve to live your life without the stranglehold of what anger and bitterness does to your heart and your family. And so he says, hey, instead of malice and wrath and anger, forgive. Be kind compassionate, even when everything inside you in your flesh is saying, but they just don't deserve it. God's saying, I get it. I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure you feel that way, but you deserve to be free. And the only way you're going to be free is by canceling the debt, by forgiving, by moving on. And again, it's, it's way easier said than done. And, and if you're somebody who's not a follower of Jesus, if you're watching online or you're here this morning and, and you're not a follower of Jesus, you're off the hook. Like, you don't have to do this. 
You can, you can do this if you want. It's, it's a, a, probably a healthy thing to do, but, but you're not held accountable to this. But if you're someone who says, I'm a follower of Jesus, there's some built-in accountability with the very next phrase. He says, hey, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another. And then he says this, just as God also forgave you in Christ. Yeah, it's legit pain. No one's saying downplay the hurt. No one's saying downplay the natural consequences that that person should face. But Paul, what he's saying instead is, hey, don't allow unhealthy, sinful anger to hold you captive. Deal with what is causing it. And if you're looking for an example... Look at how you've been forgiven. Forgive the way you've been forgiven. See, for many, the cause of our hurt is other people, and it's something someone did to us. And so and there's other cases where, man, maybe there's not somebody you need to go forgive. But in a lot of cases, that unhealthy anger that we kind of live with, that, 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 that kind of bends between anger and bitterness. And, and we know it. If, if you're dealing with it, you know it. it it's that type of anger that's not going to get better forever by you reading a book, by, by you counting to 10. It, it, it's not going to be helped. That's a way to manage it. But if you're going to be free from it, you have to cancel the debt the way the debt has been canceled for you so that you can be free. And in a lot of cases, for, I mean, just to be honest, for some of us, we're angry and bitter and hurt. And it's, it's ravaging us. And the person isn't even alive anymore. Or we don't even see the person. They, don't, they might not even know what's totally going on. But yet, it's not bothering them at all. It's not ruining their life at all. It's, it's ruining your life. It's hurting your family. It's your family that has to walk around on eggshells because you might blow up. And so God's saying, I just love you too much to have you have to deal with that. I want you to be free. And the way to freedom is pardon. The way that you were freed was by God pardoning you. And the way that you're going to be free from anger and bitterness and malice is by you pardoning someone else. And again, that's not saying that if they broke the law, they, they still deserve all that they're going to get. There's natural consequences. It's not saying, hey, let them off the hook. Let All that still is going to happen. But what it's saying is on the inside of you, there's a freedom that you're going to have because you're not going to be held captive and have to manage anger for the rest of your life. Because here's the thing, and you know this, whether you're watching online or you're here this morning, no matter who you are, no one wants to be eaten up by anger. I mean, no one wants to die bitter. And, and we don't want, if, we're, if we really thought about it, we don't want the people we care about most to never be able to relax around us because we might go off. Like we don't want to be the guy or girl that people are happy to see leave the party because it's like, okay, she's finally gone. Now we're okay. She's not going to blow up or it's not going to be awkward. 
Like, you know, you've been in rooms like that and you're like, oh, let's all be kind of chill around so-and-so. And then when they leave, it's like, okay, uh, we can breathe again. Like, you don't, nobody wants to be that person, but unfortunately, sometimes we are. And so we have two choices because all of us deal with anger. And we really have two choices, and we've talked about it. The first one is this. We can manage it. We, we can say, you know what? I'm just, hey, I'm 46 years old. Maybe, hopefully, I live to be 86. The next 40 years, I'm just going to kind of manage this thing and, and try to not hurt anybody too much, try to not embarrass myself too much. Just kind of manage it. And if, if that's you and that's kind of your mindset, here's my encouragement to you. This isn't very pastoral. Stay away from people. Stay off social media. And if you're on social media, don't tell people you're a Christian. That would just help us all if this is your decision. Like, hey, I'm just going to manage it, and I'm going to try to not be too crazy too often. I'm just going to kind of try to hang with this thing. If that's you, just be careful. And, and, and as best you can, try to be a, stay away from people. But here's the second kind of decision. So we could obviously do that, and this might be what we've been doing that hasn't been working. Or we can go to war and fight to have victory over it. We can manage it like we've been doing, or we can go to war, and we can try to have victory. And as you think about if, if this is like, hey, I'd, I'd at least be up to try this. I've, yeah, Chris, I've, I've, I've been managing it. I've been trying to not embarrass myself too much and try to not be too bitter, not let it ruin my day too much, try to, you know, fake it until I make it as best as I can. I've been managing it, but, but the idea of going to war with it and actually having some victory in my life, that, that sounds like something I'd at least like to try. Let me, let me give you a few things that go back to what Paul said, his kind of pattern of stopping and starting. Let me give you a few things to think about. If, if you want to go to war, first one is this, stop being a debt collector, start canceling the debt. And, and for you, this might look like you sitting down one day, maybe it's sitting down with a counselor. That's super healthy to do. I've done it. And it's something I'll do in the future. It's great to sit down with somebody that's a counselor that can help you work through things biblically, just like a physical doctor works through things physically with you. So maybe it's sitting down with a counselor, but if it's not, at least sit down with a notebook and say, God, I struggle with some anger. There's some bitterness. There's some anxiousness. God, would you just point out to me, where's that coming from? Like, walk through your relationships. Like, who am I anxious about? Who am I a little bit bitter at? Who am I? And before you know it, probably a few names are going to come to mind. It's not going to, it'll be probably pretty obvious. And then just be thinking like, what is it? Why am I mad at that person? Like there's some legitimate reasons. Maybe they hurt you. They hurt your kid. Like at least get it on paper so that you have some clarity on it. And then it might literally be you saying, God, I am canceling the debt. It might literally be you taking that piece of paper and ripping it up and throwing it in the fire just as an act to kind of help your brain physically cancel the debt. So maybe, maybe the first thing is stop being a debt collector and start canceling the debt. 
Second thing, and these are just just thoughts that, that may be helpful. And I think this is a big one. Stop trying to be perfect. Start making faithfulness your goal. And here's why. Someone said this to me a few years ago, and it was like a light bulb. Somebody said, he said, you know why, you some, you know why you're angry sometimes? You, 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 your anger shows towards other people, but you're actually angry at yourself. You, you show anger towards your kid, but you're really angry at yourself because it's like, if I was a better parent, if I would have done this better, if I would have done this, I wouldn't be dealing with this. So you, you, we lash out at people because they inconvenience us, because they make a bad decision. But in a lot of cases, it's that, man, we're kind of angry at ourselves because, well, I didn't handle the finances right on the front end, or, or I didn't parent so-and-so on this, you know. And so we find ourselves, actually, if we thought about it, we're kind of angry at ourselves, and it shows itself in anger to other people. And so for, for us, it's, it's, maybe it's just time to say, you know what, I'm not perfect. I have made mistakes in every important area of my life. I'm no longer going to let this hang over my head, this anxiousness of things I've done in the past, or I haven't done it all perfect. Of course you haven't. No one has. And I'm just going to start being, trying to be faithful. God, today, help me to be a godly mom, a godly dad. Help me to be a good husband. God, help me to work for you, not for my boss. Help me to have an audience of one at work. Help me to be kind today. And I'm just going to try to be faithful because some of us, our anger is really, it's a back at ourselves because we're upset at ourselves and it shows itself with other people. Last thing. Maybe it's time to stop thinking the worst about people and start putting trust in the gap instead of suspicion or all the other things we put in the gaps. And let, let's be honest. And maybe this is like a look in the mirror time. For some of us, we wake up thinking everyone's against us. Like we have a bent well, I did that. they thought this, or they gave me the wrong look, or they did that. Like we have a bent where we walk into our day expecting people to be mean to us, expecting people to give us ugly looks, expecting people. And so when we do that, guess what happens? We see those things, even if they're not really there. And so for some of us, part of, of getting victory in this anger is saying, you know what, I'm going to stop thinking the worst of everyone. Not everybody hates me. Not everybody's trying to ruin my life or my kids' lives. Maybe I just have the wrong perspective. Maybe I'm not as self-aware. And so instead of being suspicious of everything, I'm going to start putting trust in the gap a little bit more. I'm going to start thinking the best a little bit more. Instead of going into my day or into that meeting or into this situation and just expecting people to hate me, be mean to me, I'm going to go in and I'm going to just assume that that's not going to happen. I'm going to assume the best about them. I'm going to assume that if they treated me a little bit harsh, it wasn't because they hated me. Maybe they had a really rough day the day before at home. Maybe their marriage is in a, in a tough spot. And so I'm just going to assume better. Instead of allowing these little things to just be the kind of the kindling in my heart that just spurs anger and bitterness at everyone. And the reason we can do these things, this stop and start, isn't because we're great people. 
It's not because we're strong or we have it all together. The reason that we can move into victory and really start to work through some of these things is because of what John said in 1 John 4, 4. He said this, the one who is in you, the one who has an office inside that ain't going anywhere is greater than the one who's in the world. Jesus, the Holy Spirit that's inside of us, he set up his office. He, he, he wants the whole thing. He, he wants the whole thing. And he's not going anywhere. And he's way greater and stronger and more powerful than the evil one that we voluntarily give an office to. And, and here's what John was saying. Hey, there's hope. Like you can have victory in so many different areas, not because you're good or great, not because you're more disciplined than the next person. No, because greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. And so this intimacy with Jesus is what is really the fuel to gaining victory over people pleasing, over an addiction to pornography over unhealthy anger that we struggle with maybe every day. Intimacy with Jesus as we get to know him, the one who lives inside of us, we become more like him. And instead of us trying to live for Jesus, we start to allow Jesus to live his life through us. And when that happens... We have some help there with anger. We have some help there with temptation. Because greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. And Lord, I, I'm thankful for Paul and that you led him to write the book of Ephesians. And Lord, I, I'm so thankful that even the man that was writing it was not a perfect man. He was a man that struggled in big ways throughout his life. He was a man that had a really rough past. But yet because of how you had transformed him from the inside out, he's able to write just some real practical things to help us. Maybe you're here or you're watching online and with every head bowed and every eye closed, you, you're you're. you're someone that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've been hurt by someone that said they had a relationship with Jesus, and so you've kind of kept the church and the whole Jesus faith thing kind of at arm's length. First of all, I'm sorry if, if that's happened to you. But second, man, I just want to let you know that God loves you. God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to provide hope for you, not just in the area of anger, but in every area of your life. And, and he offers that to you free. It comes through a relationship with him that he provides, and it's just something you have to say yes to. So if you're here this morning, or maybe you're watching online, and you would say, hey, Chris, I, I don't have all the answers. I don't know what I believe about everything. But man, I'm in a place where I want to say yes to a relationship with God. I do want hope 
for eternity. I, I want hope right now, though. I want hope with my anger. I want hope with my addictions. Well, that is provided to you through a relationship with God. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if, if you're watching online or you're here this morning, you'd say, today I want to start that relationship. You can do that just by telling God. Just tell God in the quietness of your heart. Just maybe start by just admitting to Him that you need Him. Say, God, I, I admit I, I need you. I admit I have sinned. I've disobeyed you. I've done things my own way. Just tell God. Just in the quietness of your heart. Then just tell Him. God, I believe, I believe that your son Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sin. Just tell him. And then just ask him, God, would you come into my life? Transform me. Give me hope. I want a relationship with you. Just tell him. If you're here this morning and you made that decision to start a relationship. You prayed with me. There's a little card right in front of you. It just says decision on it. And if you wouldn't mind just filling that out and on your way out, you can drop it by the next steps table or you can put it in the offering basket. We just would love to know that you made that decision. We'll like to call you maybe once this week just to see how you're doing, see if you have any questions. If you're watching online, you can go to citywalk.cc and there's a card there that you can fill out and we'll get and we'll connect with you. For most of you here, you'd say, Chris, man, I'm already a follower of Jesus. Well, let me ask you this, with just personal question, just between you and God, what place does anger have in your life? What would those closest to you say? What step could you take today to stop managing anger and start having victory over it? What step? See, if you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives inside you. And so he's probably already pricked your heart about something specific. And for you, it, maybe it's something that I said. Maybe it's, hey, there's just some people that I'm holding debt over. Maybe they know it. Maybe they don't know it. And you would say, man, I'm, I'm getting bitter. I'm having, like, conversations with them in my head that they don't even know about. I just, I just need to cancel the debt. Maybe, maybe for you, it's, you, you've kind of been mad at yourself. And you just have to say, you know what, perfection, I just, I'm not perfect but I'm just going to try to be faithful. I don't know what it is, but I, I, if, if you're a follower of Jesus, I believe the Holy Spirit's pricked your heart if he wants you to do something, if he wants you to take a step. And so my encouragement to you is that you would listen and that you would obey, that you would listen and that you would have the courage to obey. Down front, we're going to have uh, Luke and Sue will be down front while we're singing our final song. If, if you'd like someone to pray with you, if you'd like to talk to someone about a specific decision that you need to make today, they're down front. You can come during the final song. If you just want to come down front by yourself and just pray and just kind of, kind of cement something in your heart between you and God, you can do that as well.
Whatever God's telling you to do, I would just encourage you to say yes. Lord, thank you for giving us hope. Thank you that we do not have to live our lives enslaved to sin that destroys us and our families. I pray that we would take the hard, necessary steps to be free. In Jesus' name, amen.